everyone, and welcome to episode seven of the After Sunday Discussion. I'm one of your hosts, Cody Haggard, and with me, as always, is Josh Fauzi. Hello. Thank you all for listening today to the After Sunday Discussion, episode seven. This is one of of a few different resources over on the e43collective.com. So if you guys have time, check out e43collective.com. You can find our other podcast, Raking Coals, which is all about ministry. And you can check out some of our blog posts in which we kind of talk about our own reflections on Christianity, our own experiences within the church, and seeking to utilize those things to unify and bring churches together to have a common resource and a platform for discussion. Thank you all for taking the time to listen today. And I want to come out and say sorry that our content has been a little bit irregular and inconsistent. We have developed a more solid recording schedule, so you guys will be getting an after Sunday discussion every other Sunday, and we will be putting up a Raking Coals episode every Wednesday, as well as there will be at least two blog posts a week. So e43collective.com is going to be a place you guys are going to want to visit at least every day to check out the new stuff that we have on there for you. But without any more business, we are going to begin our After Sunday discussion. But before we get into our main topic, I'm going to start off by asking Josh, how have you been? It's been a while since we've done one of these. Yeah, it has been. But I've been okay. I've been good. It's been crazy. Um, But crazy is good sometimes so (laughs) crazy can be good yep crazy can be bad uh but i'm glad you're experiencing a good crazy how have you been doing with the winter weather how do you think winter has played out here in ohio i hate winter so much it mm... okay so if you guys haven't been if you're not from the cleveland area you (sighs) cleveland weather Let's just put it this way. it w- It's going to be 52 degrees on Friday and 22 degrees on Saturday this upcoming week. At, as of recording. like, And it's been doing this, what, once a week for the past month? It's, yeah. I'm, I'm really happy it's March right now. Yeah. Yeah, we're to that time of year, though, where, and we kind of had a week like this the past week, where it's sunny and it looks nice outside. And then you step outside, and you are just plastered with a much colder feel than how it looks. And that's just what it's like living in Northeast Ohio. That's what it's like having uh, the cold. So those of you who listen who are in warmer climates, just be thankful for that weather because uh, it is a lot more bearable than a negative 15-degree weather day or a 10-degree weather day, and then you got the wind and all the silly stuff that happens we've probably talked about this in a previous episode if anything raking coals but i mean we had that one that one weekend where it was a was it a 60 degree change in temperature over 24 hours yeah yeah that was that was pretty incredible we went from negative 10 to 50 degrees yeah it was insane it was definitely crazy we i think we might have talked about that on on one of our last podcasts and in fact i actually think our podcasts are becoming about ministry our hobbies and winter i mean it's it's an ongoing discussion that we have and it's one of those things where they always say good small talk conversation is to talk about the weather but it's true the weather is is something to talk about because Hey, you never know what you're getting in Ohio. That's what's nice about it. It's like it's like shuffling a deck of cards, drawing one, and the hoping problem is for the you ace. don't know what to wear to work, <laughs> right? Like I, I mean, I work down by Lake Erie, and it it could be on days where it's like 40 degrees in the morning and 20 degrees in the evening, with the wind coming off the lake. You need to be in like polar gear at some point because the oh, wind yeah. chill is just terrible oh, yeah. but you don't really necessarily know what you're wearing in the morning compared to the afternoon some days like yeah yeah that's that's my car crazy. looks like a laundry hamper Let's yeah just you, need, you need to always have in in cold climates you need to have some backup gear for when it gets super cold out of nowhere 
And you also need to have some backup gear for when it gets nice out of nowhere, some shorts and some tennies in there. So, uh, also, one thing I'm going to point out, Josh doesn't even know that I'm going to say this. I don't know if Josh has talked about it much, but Josh is part of something that a lot of people in this country are part of. And I think out of all the people I know who are involved in this, he probably talks about it less than the average person uh, who's involved in it. Josh, you are part of CrossFit, and you have alluded to being part of CrossFit in the past on this podcast, but I don't know if you've ever actually stated the name CrossFit here. And uh, you've been doing some cool stuff there. Why don't you tell us all about your CrossFit experience? You want me to go through the entire experience? Not no. the entire experience, but just it's, like the past week, because okay. I think that has so, to do a little bit with your craziness. <laughs> so, yes, I do participate in CrossFit. I love it. I've been doing it for a little more than a year now um, at a place locally called CrossFit Strongsville, and it is an awesome place. Um, one of the great things about the, the gym that I go to is it's owned by a guy that I know from a church that I volunteer at. Um, and there's just a lot of Christians who work out with us. So it's this place where everybody's just edifying everybody else. And it's just super supportive. And um, it's just been a really good experience, especially because like I went into it really overweight, really unhealthy, um, really terrible self body image kind of like didn't really like myself because I wasn't like healthier um and like i was one of those people that hated working out in front of people like refused to go to the rec center around here because just there's too many people i know that are gonna and and it's really i've learned a lot and it's it's really worked on like character development and um just being like confidence um and and i've i've lost 20 25 26 pounds in the past year and hopefully gonna lose another 15 this year so i mean that's the plan but uh when it comes to crossfit uh right now we're in open season so it's called the crossfit open and historically this has been like the qualifier to get to the crossfit regionals which then get you to crossfit games and they've changed it up a little bit uh this year but um this is my first open so uh pretty much it's five weeks Every week, CrossFit, like CrossFit headquarters, puts out a workout, and everybody's supposed to, they they release it on Thursday. Everybody has to get it done with a judge watching them. Like so, someone's there counting your reps, making sure that you're doing it the way they like you're supposed to, um, and then they give you a score and you submit it online by Monday. Um, so we just did. So as of recording, it's 19-2. So it's the second workout of the of 2019's Open. And that was insane because I completely I, – I did it on Friday. And the way the workout worked was it's like I missed being able to go like the max time by one squat clean, one rep. And it just it bugged me on Saturday. So I went I went to the gym. I worked out on Saturday, and I was talking to the judge that was judging me, and he's just like, "Dude, I'll open it up tomorrow if you want to try it again." I said, ah, "Do I really want to do that?" And I did that, and I I came two reps shy of finishing the entire thing, which was like so. The way the scoring works is you get a point for every rep that you do. Um, so like first time I did it was like 269 points out of 430. And I finished the workout today after church with 428 points. So <laughs> nice. it's crazy what two days will do. But at the same time, like, like I ended up PRing on a squat clean, like, and, and it's just been like, and it was really cool. Cause you had a, like three of the coaches from the gym were there. You had like friends who were also doing it. You had people who just finished it. People who were waiting on doing it. People who were just doing their own thing and everybody's there they're cheering you on they're encouraging you while you're doing the workout um and it's just it's just a and i know a lot of crossfit gyms say they're like this but the one that i'm part of is very much this it's a place where you go and it doesn't matter how fit you are what you're able to do everybody will surround you and just absolutely 
encourage the crap out of you. Mm-hmm. So yes, yes, uh, it's been it's been interesting, but it's been fun. So yeah, in the I, I appreciate you sharing your CrossFit experience. One thing I've come to really respect about CrossFit it's it's actually something I myself have dabbled with doing for for a while is I really like the stories of the people. It sounds like a lot of people who go there go there kind of stuck in a rut. Like that's a lot of people's beginning with CrossFit is being kind of stuck in a rut and needing some type of way to get out of it physically with their body, with their exercise habits. And it just seems like CrossFit is just so good at doing that for people. And I think the community, like you mentioned, is a huge part of that. And I actually, I think CrossFit as an organization is a great, a great secular organization that churches can learn from immensely, to be honest. I mean, you, and the, this is something we could talk about on our ranking Coles, actually. Right. But I, I know CrossFit comes off with the reputation of being, oh, it's a cult. But the, the reality is, is that it's because the main focus it's the fitness isn't the focus it's the community that's the focus you're you're all cut like if i go in on a given day to the gym there is a workout posted if you are going to a class or like a scheduled time everybody in that group is doing that workout to whatever they can do physically and that allows for just like if like I'm going to say the other thing is they like to repeat workouts. So like open workouts, we'll do open workouts throughout the year. Just like but you can then go back if if you're keeping the records, you can go back and see where you were and where you are now and you can actually see the improvement. But at the same time like when you have everybody there with the same focus on this is what we're doing. Okay? Like, it allows everybody just kind of, like, I don't know. Like, it, it, it encourages that camaraderie, but also, like, because you have the competition. You have the, like, okay, this person's been doing it a year longer than I have. This is what they did, and I'm pretty close. Like, so it's not comparison, but at the same time, it's just, like, there's encouragement in that. Yeah. Um, And then, you like you said, there's a lot of people who they, they start it because they know they need to do something or they're in a rut or they're like, we have a lot of college athletes, former college athletes where they like the competition. They like to challenge, but they don't have that anymore because they're out of college. And this, like this gives them an avenue of being able to do that. And then with that comes all of their experience and everything that they've learned. And they're teaching people at the gym. You have like all the coaches that go to my gym. um, They're all either, uh, physical therapists or they've done collegiate or professional sports so you you have a lot of experience there and a lot of knowledge um, and it's just it's just a really cool environment uh, we, we have one of the smaller CrossFit gyms in the area but it's one that I, I know we have some incredible people who they because they because of our reputation like they will come to our gym when they're in town instead of the big one that's a couple cities over and the other one downtown like it, it's 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 really cool you i've met a lot of really awesome people and another great thing about it too is because there's so many christ followers at our box like it's been a really great witnessing opportunity. Like not even just like sharing the gospel, but also like, like just how, like, like edifying Christ and how, how we act at the gym. Because it's instead of like, like, like you have the one person who will come in and they want to like, they're there to see the ladies and you're like, dude, we don't do that here. Right. Um, you have like, yeah, there's profanity. There's, stuff but at the same time like like there's a lot of people who are like frustrated and it's just like no you don't need to be frustrated this is this is part of the process like you're you're good um when it comes to the profanities like none of us really like we don't swear at the gym so it's kind of interesting because like i've i've been told people are noticing 
Like, they're like, yeah, no, Josh misses a list, a lift. He's not cursing up a storm like some other people. Like, we want to work out with him because, or, or like there are other people who are just like, I want to work out with him because I know he's a Christ follower. I know that there's like, I'm I'm good with him, and it's kind of interesting to see how that kind of works yeah. out. But yeah, yeah, that's great. I I think there's so so much good going on there, and I just wanted to give you an opportunity to share that because you mentioned it's been crazy, and it's a big part of your life now. It's a big part of what you do, who you are, and. Um, you know, that's kind of what's been going on in your life as we've kind of been on a hiatus from recording after mm-hmm. Sunday discussions. Uh, just for me personally, I have not been up to stuff quite as uh, exciting as CrossFit. But, uh, you know, we mentioned on episode nine of Raking Coals, I had to be at a funeral a few weeks ago. And so I've done a lot of traveling. I've spent a lot of time in the car and then I had a little mini vacation. And then at my job, because I was on vacation, I had to do a massive amount of front-loaded work for basically me being gone. They still needed all the specialty stuff I do to be ready in case something needed to ship while I was gone. And so I've spent a significant amount of alone time and kind of being a, a you know alone to my own thoughts and my prayers and it's been really cool because i've i've began to see some self-examination go on of where i'm at in life and where i want to be and things that i want to do in the future that i really needed some time to really think through and process through at this stage of my life so so i'm really excited i've got some things in the works and some plans that uh, I will probably share with this podcast and on, on the website and stuff that are, that could be coming up here and uh, just exciting stuff. So thank you guys for bearing with our really long introduction here. But we have I'm just going to interject real quick. Cody's explained a little bit about what he's planning on doing. He hasn't told me everything. It is actually really exciting. And I I'm really hoping that this pans out really well. Because it'll be good. Yes, I am hoping to because it's uh, it's a big passion and dream of mine, and I actually think there's a shot it could mm-hmm. it could work, and so so I I'm looking forward to that, and uh, just want to thank you guys for bearing with this long introduction. But just wanted to kind of fill you guys in with some things that were going on in our lives while we were absent and not on the microphones and not in the internet. Uh, so uh, we are going to get into our main discussion. Uh, anyone who read the description of this will notice that it is called the obligatory James Bond episode because it is episode 007. I'm so excited. I am so excited. <laughs> so yes, with that, we are going to be talking about James Bond, um, our experiences and history with the films as well as the books because I myself have read at least one James Bond book. I've read the first one, Casino Royale. And so we're going to just talk about some of our our history, opinions, and thoughts. I am not saying that I am a James Bond expert because I'm not. However, I am just fond of the films and the franchise, and I think that it's a special franchise. And so uh, I'm going to start by asking Josh. Josh, what was the first time you remember watching a James Bond movie? Or reading a book. Did you read the books first? Probably. No, I did not. Yeah, I didn't think I so. didn't know they were books at first. Um, but, yeah, unfortunately, the first James Bond movie I watched was Die Another Day. <laughs> Ouch. Yeah, that's a bad one. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, I mean, and I think that's, like, if we're going to talk about James Bond, I mean, we're talking about a movie franchise that is... Currently, what, 24 official movies? Because Never Say Never Again is technically not canon Bond. Um, and it spans... So, hold on here. Before before we do that. So, there's 24 official movies. Never Say Never Again is not official. According to Wikipedia, though, the list here has 26 entries. Is there well, another there's one? There's another Casino Royale. Okay, so Casino Royale... Is, is, is there was just one entry for two movies? That's what how they're counting it. Yes. So there was a Casino Royale back in the fifties, sixties, sixty-seven. It's yeah. listed here. It was, and it was very different than the Ion Studios James Bond movies. It was more like my. I haven't watched it, but my aunt who saw it in theaters says she thought it was a comedy. 
Like okay. it's 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 very different from what James Bond became. Okay. Okay, yeah, I wanted to clarify that. I wanted to know if you knew. Because I know the new James Bond movie coming out in 2020 is labeled James Bond 25. Right. But then I see this list, and I'm like, wait, there's 26 entries. How does it work? So I'm glad you were able to clarify that. Yeah. So Die Another Day with Pierce Brosnan and, and Halle, Halle Berry. Berry. Yep. So what did you think after you saw it? Okay, I was – when did that movie come out? I'm trying to remember. I had to have been in middle school. Let's see here. We can check real quick. It's 2002. Okay, it was before middle school. I, I mean, I think the first time I saw that movie, I was 12. So I thought it was the greatest thing in the world. <laughs> <laughs> and they had, like, so they they had marketed it using video games. So you had Nightfire. Yeah. You had, um, oh, my goodness, I'm trying to remember. Um, there were two other games because um, there was one f- – there were – Two for for PlayStation Two, and then Nightfire was one of those, right? And then Xbox had two, and Nightfire was another was one on Xbox, but the the other two didn't like. One had one, and one had the other. Okay. Um. Yes, but yeah, no, that was that. I thought it was great, and then I saw. Like the actual, like Sean Connery, James Bonds. <laughs> Listen to that. Actual. Now, for me, my first time seeing James Bond was actually, I was pretty young. I was probably seven or eight. In 1997, I got my Nintendo 64. And with that Nintendo 64 came. James Bond 007 Goldeneye, one of the most classic video games ever made. Now, it doesn't necessarily stand the test of time, but it is just everyone who is of my age and maybe a little bit older knows that game, has memories with that game. Um, and, and it's just, it was what introduced me to James Bond in the first place. And maybe like a year or two later, I actually ended up seeing the movie Goldeneye. I can't remember if we rented it or if it was on TV or something. And what I remember from the movie was just being extremely confused as to what was going on. I had no idea what was going on in the plot, but I really liked watching Pierce Brosnan run around and uh, shoot Russians and, and fight bad guys and terrorists and things like that. So that was my first experience with James Bond, and I really liked it. I liked uh, just the the special agent, spy side of things. It was quite a while before I actually watched any of the movies that preceded Pierce Brosnan. So I had ended up watching kind of as they sequentially were released, all the Pierce Brosnan James Bonds, which as much as... Uh, maybe some people liked the Pierce Brosnan Bond movies. Those actually, I don't think, I don't think many of them are very good other than Goldeneye, which is okay. It's, it's, I'd say it's better than average, but, um, then kind of went back, watched some of the Sean Connery and Roger Moore. Uh, there's still a lot that I haven't seen. I haven't seen all of them. Like I'll say that as a disclaimer, I haven't seen all of them. But uh, what actually really, really got me into the franchise is when they rebooted in 2006 with Casino Royale and Daniel Craig uh, because I just think that the new James Bond movies are done really, really well um, to modern movie standards, just in my opinion. And, And we can get there at some point, but that's just a little bit of my introduction to exposure. But the thing about James Bond and the thing that I love about it is that it's so reflective of the period that it was made in. Absolutely. And like, cause I, in prep for this, I watched Dr. No and I watched the 2006 Casino Royale over the past two days. And it's just, it's, it's very di- Like even the way that they portray the character is reflective of the time. Yeah. Um, because like you watch you watch Doctor No, and here you have Sean Connery playing this daft young special agent with wearing suits, always has like the perfect hair with the gel in it, um, and it almost like watching Doctor No, it almost seemed like he he was sm- 
smarter than he let on and he knew what was going on and he knew how to address everything. Um, but then you, when you watch Casino Royale with Daniel Craig, here you have the, not, it's, it's almost like a flawed character. He's not the perfect, like he's, he's not refined yet. Uh, he, you watch him as he gets his double O status. You watch him as he's just being super reckless. Okay. And it's not until like probably 45 minutes in the movie that you see him wearing a suit. Yeah. <laughs> And um, it's just it's just interesting because you have like back in the '60s when Doctor No was made, like like it's the Americans and the Brits. They're the good guys. They're going against Spectre, and like and and then you see that in like From Russia with Love. It's like like the, they're professional. They know what they're doing. They're smarter than the others. And then now it's he here's the here's the unrefined hero who who. Might be a little bit reckless, but he gets the job done. And that's all that matters. And rules be darned. I mean, they're like he's going he's he's smarter than his boss, but at the same time, like he knows where to like pull the like when he needs to be like classy and upfront. I mean Yeah. If that makes any sense. No, no, <laughs> that makes sense. And I think what you hit on is something I actually think is really special about James Bond is that it's this ongoing franchise with almost twenty five official movies in it. And it's one of those ones over a span of time. You still have people who are fans of it and people who have been fans of it for a long time and people who have been fans of it for a short time. And just for, like, comparison's sake, let's think about another long-running franchise like Star Wars, right? It's spanned not as long of a time, but almost as long of a time. And part of it, I think, that hurts Star Wars is it's this story that has this continuity over the course of 30-plus years. Whereas James Bond, for example, while it expands over the course of uh what are we looking at 52 years it span it, it expands over that time period one thing we see though is that we learned when there's a new James Bond playing James Bond it's like a new era it's like everything in the past was washed away and it's all brand new and we restart. And I think that's something that makes James Bond special is they've been able to restart, what is it? We've, we're looking at five or six j- people who've played James Bond. Mm-hmm. Um, if you count George Lazenby, I think, I think it is six. Um, and when they restart and they refresh, it's a new era. And 50-plus mm-hmm. years later, the franchise is still going with making movies every four to five years and that's impressive and it it is definitely a franchise that has taken an idea from ian fleming the original writer of james bond and really made it something special and something for audiences of many ages and many types and i think it is probably another thing about james bond too is it's like this blockbuster but it never gets the massive overhype. Like the, I think the expectation of James Bond is always somewhat tempered and somewhat realistic. It's not like it's not getting hype like Endgame, mm-hmm. uh, Avengers, or a superhero film, or the next best special effects movie. It's just okay. A new James Bond. It's coming. <coughs> Looking forward to seeing it. It might be good. It might be bad, and we will see. So. I, I think that's what makes James Bond a really cool franchise and makes it special to talk about is because it's been able to be successful for so long. Yeah. And it, it's, I'm really enjoying the reboots. Um, I think I would enjoy them more if they were a little bit less volatile when it comes to consistency. Cause like Casino Royale, amazing. Right. And then you get Quantum of Solace, which was an okay movie, a little weird on the premise. Um, but then you get Skyfall, which story-wise, just phenomenal. Uh, character-wise, phenomenal. And then you get Spectre, and like Spectre was it was an interesting movie for me because 
it was good in my opinion but at the same time it's like they it almost seemed like they were trying to cash in all the nostalgia tokens where it was just kind of like nah i mean so i don't know if if they keep on this keep this trend going 25 is just going to be an amazing movie <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm i'm hoping for the at least the every other phenomenon to be true of 25 cuz i'm kind of with you specter while i think in this series, especially the Daniel Craig, has some of some of my favorite set pieces in an action movie. There are some really cool mm-hmm. action sets in that movie. The story to me was just you, you come off Skyfall and you're like, wow, I really cannot wait to see where this series goes. And then Spectre felt more like an an interlude than an actual sequel and to me that was a little but that's what quantum of solace was yeah (laughs) it was very much an interlude (laughs) i did not like quantum of solace nearly as much as i like casino royale casino royale for everybody listening with daniel craig um 007 casino royale is my favorite james bond movie of of all time period um and i know most people will say that goldfinger is the best that is right up there with it that's a fantastic james bond movie for me personally Casino Royale is my favorite James Bond film. I'd agree with that. Um, my second favorite is, it's interesting, it's From Russia With Love. I like that. Okay. I just, when it comes to the old, like I read that novel mm-hmm. and I loved it. Like I, so to just see the visualization of the novel is just like very much, okay, this is really cool. And I think that's something that James Bond actually benefits from is that there's a there's a body of work that it's based off of it's not like star wars where they're making the movies and then writing books about them like here it's 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 the classic book to movie thing but you have i mean you have an author who because of his experiences in world war ii and working in the in the british secret service and their intelligence organization during the war like he got to act like he t- pulled from that all the time yeah into his stories and it's just re- like they're just ridiculous enough to be like okay this is weird but at the same time like you can kind of understand like okay this kind of makes sense like dr no like the big plot in it is to derail the nasa space shuttle flights or the the moon flights and you're like like, okay, I could see that being a thing because back then they were in the middle of the space race. Right? And if Spectre derailed the Apollo missions, okay, then Russia wins that. And like moving the like the power from the US to Russia and kinda it, it's it's interesting because like that's something I really liked about Spectre was it br- it like solidified like no, they're in this new era of James Bond. Yeah. And they're still doing the same things that they were doing before. Um, now, when it came to Blofeld in Inspector, I wish they would have like revealed him to be Blofeld at the end of the movie and have twenty five like be the ultimate showdown between Bond and Blofeld. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so, for anybody who's listening, if you did not kind of assume that there was going to be some spoilers related to all and everything James Bond. Uh, there will be. However, I'll say this, that uh, even if you know the spoilers of a James Bond film going in, there is still so much to glean from the movies. The movies, not I don't necessarily think James Bond films are at their best when you don't know the plot twist. In fact, I actually think sometimes um, with the plot twists, they can actually make the movie a total letdown um i remember the plot twist in quantum of solace being like wait a minute so the bad guy is just stealing people's water yeah okay i mean that's fine and all but (laughs) they made him seem a whole lot worse um and granted i mean i mean poisoning people's water is a terrible thing uh but i mean i feel like that's just been a plot device used many 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 times in films um but just to kind of uh, say here that I, I know I kind of mentioned Quantum of Solace Inspector and Josh and I both kind of mentioned those not being great films. I still think both of them are 
decent films. Oh, yeah. Decent films. But one thing where I think James Bond struggles, the whole entire series struggles, is they're really easy to uh, be confused by. And I think the newer series with Daniel Craig, there are there it is easy to get lost in the exposition. There is a lot of important things that are said um, in just straight up exposition that if you're really not paying attention to the words, um, they can the why the bad guy is so bad can be lost. Uh, I, I think especially in Skyfall, you really have to pay attention to the exposition. But but at the same time, like I really like the Daniel Craig era because it's a it's a progressing narrative throughout the movies where before it was like here's a one-off story here's a one-off story right, here's right. a one-off story where it's like what happens in Casino Royale with Daniel Craig is important even through to Spectre and to Bond 25 yeah. like if you don't watch Casino Royale if you don't watch Quantum of Solace you're if you don't watch Skyfall you're missing pieces of this just ridiculous amount of like story development but also character development mm-hmm. because you watch James Bond go from like he's trying to get in the double O program in the beginning of Skyfall that's the opening scene okay then he gets his double O status that's the next scene and then you just see him like go from an unrefined just renegade to not wanting to do it anymore and then quitting, and then this have what happened to Vesper happen, and then Quantum of Solace plays directly into that, and then like to see him like, like with Skyfall, um, like try to get back on the, I'm trying to remember, yeah, and like like just disappearing, and then coming back, and then he quits, right? I'm trying to remember. Yeah. Spectre. And it was Spectre kind of leaves you on a cliffhanger because, mm. because he he seemed to want to quit and throw in the towel because um, Judy Dench, the former M, was no longer going to be leading it after Skyfall. But then he comes back and he and he works, and it kind of leaves with the uh, cliffhanger of like, is he going to be a renegade or? Uh, or or mm-hmm. what? Because uh, yeah. there's a little. There's, I mean, there's intentional suspense at the end of Spectre. Yeah, but like you go back to like the Sean Connery or the Roger Moore era. It's very much like here's Bond. Here's the situation he finds himself in. Here's him getting through the situation. It normally ends with him either with a lady or like just nothing really happens at the end of the movie. Like it, it happens. It's everything's done. Everything blew up. That's fine. And then it ends. And you don't know what happened. Right? Yeah. Yeah. But, okay, what's your opinion about the character of James Bond? Because I have thoughts on this. Uh, I think it depends on on which era you you are looking at. I've heard Ian Fleming himself talk about James Bond as, even from the name James Bond, he was intentionally made to be a plain and boring figure Uh, because James Bond was the most plain and boring name he could think of. And so it was just kind of this regular person who just happened to be a very adept uh, double-O agent. And... I think especially kind of what you see in the Sean Connery era and what you see of Roger Moore and Pierce Brosnan. I mean, I think it doesn't necessarily encompass what the written character of James Bond is like. He's way more smooth. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas I think uh, Daniel Craig's representation of him. And another thing I like about the Daniel Craig uh, James Bond films, the most current ones, is there is a much more grounded view towards being a double O or secret agent. It is, whereas with Sean Connery, Roger Moore, Pierce Brosnan, it's romanticized mm-hmm. and it's made to seem glamorous in that James Bond, you know, even though he is a, uh, a an assassin, really. <laughs> I mean, he's an asset for MI6. Um, 
he still was this guy who who kind of had it all together whereas with daniel craig it's like it's more of a portrayal of what maybe a real mi6 agent might be like like it is a tough life it's only for certain individuals and uh there's a lot of struggle in back and forth with it where i mean that's that's just a one man's opinion who's never been a secret agent so but i i think the character of james bond is it kind of depends on the era but kind of how i see it is he's 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 (laughs) always been good with the ladies and good with a gun no matter no matter which era james bond is good with the ladies and good with a gun and he is kind of like every teenage boy and young man's power fantasy really um where it's like okay i can be this individual no one in the world really knows who i am but i'm cool and i i think that that's why a lot of people are attracted to james bond because he's like man you know that's that would be cool right to be like him but that's kind of my opinions on on james bond i actually don't necessarily think he um is a super duper in-depth character uh i think daniel craig's representation of him is a little bit more dynamic than i mean especially pierce brosnan pierce brosnan's portrayal of of james bond like the way those films were written is like he is he's a totally flat character he's a superhero uh, and and he's always he always gets the girl and in the next movie moves on to new girl without any baggage so but God. but you still root for him throughout the entire movie yeah yeah i mean how do you not how do you not like pierce brosnan every movie he's in you you like him because i mean he's got that voice that look it's just like man how do you not like this guy well it's just cuz bond is I mean, even in the, like, especially in the novels, he's a smoking, drinking womanizer. That's his entire character. And, like, talk about a flawed, like, a flawed character. Yeah. But you always end up rooting for him while you watch the movie. And there's always at least two women in each movie. Always. Yeah. (laughs) That's true. I didn't, I didn't mention the, um, the alcohol problem of, of James Bond. Uh, and especially in uh, Skyfall, he straight up has a substance abuse issue. <laughs> but it, it's interesting because, like, like with the Pierce Brosnan era, it was very much like that was the height of the action movie. I mean, like, and and it was very much made to compete with those. I feel like all his movies are just way over the top. Like really convoluted, just a lot of, a lot of special effects, a lot of stunts, and like you go back to like Doctor No, and one of the first things you find out about James Bond is like he just like his first conversation with M was like him changing out his gun because on the last mission it jammed and he got put in the hospital for six months. <laughs> Like that's literally what happens in the like that's how he get his that's how he gets the PPK is because his Beretta jammed on a mission, and M was just where he was going to like end up in the hospital for six months, <laughs> and like that's something you don't like think about when you think of James Bond in, in especially like the um, the Pierce Brosnan era because here's this untouchable guy that yeah he might get a couple cuts and bruises but. Really, nothing really happens to him. Yeah. <clears throat> and one thing I'll say is I'm going to give a shout-out to the Roger Moore films. I'm going to say, and and I don't know if it's just because um, he was... For me, most of the James Bond movies I've seen have been the Pierce Brosnan, Daniel Craig, and Sean Connery ones. I've seen a handful of the Roger Moore movies here and there, and I feel like just because he's like that intermediate uh james bond and i didn't grow up with his movies or did i really go back and want to watch those because they weren't necessarily like the og james bond i i do want to say that guy played james bond i think the most out of anybody Mm -hmm. and what's 
What's even fascinating is I, I would honestly say that the Roger Moore James Bonds, at like all the ranking lists that I've looked at, <laughs> they're typically not even towards the top of the list. So that guy played James Bond for a long time. And I think at that time it was kind of like the the constantly going into the Soviet Union issues and all that stuff. I mean, that's kind of classic James Bond, though. Russia's constantly a bad guy and always yeah. a threat. But that was the Cold War. It was the Cold War yeah. era. So, yeah, I, I mean, mean, that's that's kind of what made James Bond, though. Right? Like, without I mean, the Cold War, we have no James Bond. <laughs> but you have, you have the... Um, so, like, you have... The Soviet Union and the Cold War for Connery and Robert Moore. And then you, like, it's weird because, like, Pierce Brosnick was, like, in that time where it was, like, Cold War just ended. Mm. So they had to find something else to, like, to do. And, like, that's where you get Die Another Day with the South, with the North Koreans, which was, don't get me started. That still makes me, like, it, it wasn't good. No. But now it's international terrorism organizations and this like cabal that they're trying to take down yeah Mm -hmm. and and going into the current issue of cyber terrorism i think that that is that's where that's where i think james bond was really cool in this current era is because they're looking at cyber terrorism which to be honest, is something that even in current events, even in what's covered on the news, isn't even really talked about. So it feels really secret agent-esque to have these cyber terrorists who can, you know, like uh, the bad guy says in Skyfall, played by Javier Bardem, I can't remember his actual villain name in there, but how he can just point and click from his servers on his island wherever he wants to have destruction boom he can point here and it can be taken out from a satellite or a bomb planted or anything like that and i think that that is where um we we see james bond going now right like that's Mm -hmm. the current issue is is that of cyber terrorism and i think you're going to see blofeld and inspector um kind of have a huge huge well, I mean, part in that i mean inspector you have the whole issue of privacy right and yeah. just the the ridiculous like like the 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 topic that nobody's ta- really talking about but we all probably should be talking about where you have i mean government governments are trying to get more information so that they could better deter certain things and understand what's going on within their borders and around them but then you also have like people's privacies and um and that's that that's very indicative of James Bond movies where it's they talk about it, it's almost it almost seems like they they point out a lot of things that need to get talked about but aren't necessarily being talked about like um cuz i'm just trying to think you have when did the when did the US go off the gold standard I'm trying to remember i have no idea I would not be able to answer that. Okay. Because, I mean, like, you have Fort Knox talking about gold and how monetary, like, how the monetary market works. And then you have, like, Dr. No, where they're talking about, like, the space race. And you have, um, like, and then, like, going to, like, like you have North Korea, you have nuclear nuclear submarines, you have, like, they're, they're talking about issues. Like, every, like, every movie pretty much focuses on one thing. Mm-hmm. Um... And it, it's just interesting because, like, like right now we live in a, in a pop culture where SJW stuff is like super poignant right now in movies and TV. But I feel like the, like James Bond series, whenever they do something like that, it's always very, it's always somewhat subtle. Yeah, because when you think about it, just think about it this way. How realistic is it for people who are involved with international affairs to really be talking about anything SJW? And, and okay, I, I will say this. I have heard that the term SJW is borderline offensive, so maybe we'll try to use somewhat of a, a nicer term. It's just when I think of people who are, are out there really trying to force their social opinions I, it's just that it's become the term that rolls off my tongue so if anyone is offended by that i apologize um but but really like social and political issues 
uh, being brought up in films. It's like you've mentioned, Joss, very much towards the social issues. Whereas I think the James Bond franchise has always talked about like the the villain who is on the brink of legitimately causing a massive negative impact on the world. Like in in James Bond, you kind of have this idea of each villain, if their plot is successful, is going to launch World War III into effect. And I think that that's what makes this series uh, fun and special because it's also able to give talking points. Like I'm sure during Cold War era and Space Race era, when that was kind of the thing in the James Bond films, and then even in the Pierce Brosnan era, you you have the action movie side of it, but still kind of dealing with the fallout of the Cold War in dealing with terrorism and kind of touching on the little bit of the the rise of global terrorism, things like that. Um, you do you always have the talking points of current events um, and. No matter how much the series changes or if there's different James Bonds, I think that that's always going to have to be a staple in the franchise. That it really kind of tries to identify what are the big battles in the world in modern times and if something goes wrong, what's the worst possible outcome and we're going to create this character who's going to constantly fight against it. And so I hope I hope that that's, that continues to be a mainstay in James Bond. I think that so far... So good. It's made it last for 52 years. Seems to be doing okay. I will say, though, something that James, the James Bond movie franchise has always been really good about, though, is product placement. <laughs> they do a lot of it. <laughs> you know, I personally have not paid much attention to the product placement. What are some things that show up in the Bond films? So, like, for example, Casino Royale. Like when Bond meets Vesper on the train for the first time, they they do this kind of verbal jujitsu, uh, and they're they're kind of analyzing each other. And one of the things that she she does is like, what is that? Like, um, she she says that uh, he he's just a he's a sociopath in a nice suit with a nice watch. And then she goes like, what is that? A Rolex? And he goes, no, it's an Omega. <laughs> okay, okay, I see, I see. I mean, even even down to like the weapons, like the gun industry loves James Bond because they just highlight these just niche guns that really, whatever. Oh, but, dude! Oh my gosh! How did I miss out on the vehicles? I know the, the cars are the best part of that though, because they're always the the greatest. Like like the the V twelve Vanquish, which is a quarter million dollar car. Like yeah, <laughs> like but. If you're someone who wants to be like James Bond, what do you do? You buy his car. And they're always, like, gorgeous cars. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, no matter what James Bond is driving, whether it's an Aston Martin, BMW, or Mercedes, they are all nice. And I would gladly drive any one of them. And and you have, like, and all the cars. Like, like Spectre was a great example. It was just, like, the... The car um, Batista drove, his character drove in that car chase. I can't even remember what it is. Was it a Bentley? No, it wasn't a Bentley. I don't remember. I it know might have it, been a Ferrari. Yeah, it might. It was an exotic vehicle. Might have been Ferrari or Lamborghini. Um, but, but it's something just, kind of of. It's that. like one of those like showcase movies where you're just like, here are these cars doing these crazy things that just are amazing and they they always have really good set pieces with the cars oh like, yeah even when it's just driving down the street it's always like this gorgeous locale like super scenic and it almost it it's very much a car commercial <laughs> yeah yeah james bond is is one of the few film franchises where they can get away with a, a vehicle commercial within the film you know but yeah, that I, that is that's a good point. I did I when I asked him about product placement, the fact that I I missed out on the whole car thing is just makes me feel like uh, a poser here as a James <laughs> Bond fan. But then they like the one thing that like so so how do you think twenty five is going to go? 
with the state of culture now. Because here you have a character who we've said is a drinking, smoking womanizer who very much fits the misogynistic like persona. All right, and we live in the Me Too movement era right now, which just it's interesting. Like, do you think Bond, like, when they release it into theaters, it's just gonna get a ton of backlash? I don't. I've okay. never gotten the impression from uh, the, especially the current James Bond, that he disrespects women just because he is sexually active with many doesn't necessarily mean he disrespects him. And especially coming from the series started off with Judy Dench still playing M. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that there is definitely an empowerment of women within the film franchise at this point. I think of, uh, what's her name? Naomi Harris, who plays money penny. I think she's handled in a respectful way. Um, what was the girl from Quantum of Solace, Olga, uh, I can't remember her last mm -hmm. name. Uh, I, th I felt like she was actually a, a pretty, uh, well done character. Ava um, Green. Huh? Ava Green. Ava Green. Absolutely. I, I think that there has definitely been a, and I think James Bond movies have done a decent job of this, of not just making the female characters damsels in distress. Uh, so I don't think so. I don't think right. there'll be backlash, especially because, like I mentioned, James Bond is not a super blockbuster. Mm -hmm. Like, I noticed that um, adjusted gross for Skyfall, after doing a little bit of research today, was something like $1.2 billion adjusted mm -hmm. gross, which is really good, and that is significantly higher than any other James Bond mm -hmm. movie by, like, a few hundred million and so and i think that's because it just it got such good critical reviews and just so much good um talked about it and you know it, it it lent itself to that but i think because james bond is not the the mega super duper blockbuster it's gonna avoid that wave i think okay, but, okay. that's what i'm hoping yeah i mean it is daniel craig's last one yep and if they do what they did with judy Dame Judy, Judy Dench is last one with him. It's going to be a great movie. I just don't want it to have the issues that a lot of movies are getting right now. Yeah. But yeah, and and the thing that I think should be done in films, in stories, in all of this stuff, let the creators make what they want to create. Mm -hmm. Because just because they don't do something a certain way or they didn't have this certain type of character in there, it doesn't mean they don't respect individuals of that nature. It doesn't mean that they are on a, a hate mission. Like the fact that you got these film critics and these people who are coming out and saying this film or this book or this show is this because of this, I think it's... It's just, it's bad criticism, and the fact that people buy into it is even worse, you know? Mm. Like, just allow people to create what they're creating, and then let's have a talk about it. Let's discourse about it and yield something from it, and before we bring out our torches and pitchforks. And, and I don't think Bond will be prey to that, but um, what I am going to say is if Captain Marvel doesn't do well in theaters, it's going to be because there is a problem with this world and there's it's just sexist and terrible and yada da da da. Um, but you know Captain Marvel's going to do well just because Endgame is coming out. Yeah, Captain Marvel will do well, and this yeah. is a James Bond podcast. But I'm just saying, it's that that discussion's already started with that movie, right. and and for me, I was like, I'm granted from recording, it comes out in five days. Right, right. <laughs> Whatever has been said and and all this stuff about the film, I haven't followed it mainly because once I saw the headlines and all this, I'm like, you know what? I'm not jumping into the pit. If I want to see the movie, I'll go see it, and I'm sure it will be fine. And you know I'm not going I'm not going down that road right now because it's just it's a it's a sad road man like okay I'm gonna ask a question who is your favorite Bond villain my favorite Bond villain uh, Lashif from Casino okay. Royale I think that that is uh, Mads Mikkelsen as an actor 
I think is just just great. Um, I, I think he does a fantastic job, especially playing roles like he did in Casino Royale as Le Chief. Um, really enjoyed that villain. I just thought he he had this mystery about him, this composure about him, and then when you see his villainous side, you're just like, yes, he is bad. And and I thought I thought that that was just done done well. Okay. What about you? My favorite villain character in the, is Oddjob. I just <laughs> okay. It's just one of those weird characters that you're just like, okay, that's fun. <laughs> yeah, that is it is fun. He's also super frustrating when you're playing the video games on multiplayer. Like, yeah. Did you when you play Goldfinger? Goldeneye. Goldeneye, not Goldfinger. Oddjob's in Goldfinger. <laughs> <laughs> yep. But uh, when you played GoldenEye, like did, with friends, did you ever make that rule like you can't be Odd Job? Yeah, <laughs> there were definitely matches you couldn't use Odd Job, or or he was only reserved for like the new players right. of the game because he in the video games because he's shorter than everybody else. You just in the way games were back then, manually aiming was like a pain, totally tough because you had one joystick mm-hmm. and there was. It was tough, so yeah, he was a little off limits for experienced players. Now, okay, so talking up on the topic of the video games, because the video games since since Golden Eye have almost like, at least for our generation, I feel like they bring back a lot of memories about James Bond. Yeah, like like the books are great. I highly recommend them. The like the movies, everybody. Mostly everybody's seen the movies. But the video games, I feel like we haven't had a good James Bond video game since Nightfire. No, no, it has been since Nightfire that a, a good one has been released. There there hasn't been one. I think part of that is because the genre of game that James Bond was, 007 was, has changed so much. It's all about competitive online play, and I, I think it could be done. But it would just have to take a serious developer willing to put in some pretty good time into it, make it um, something that's worth playing. And I just don't think that's going to happen. I don't think we're I don't think we're ever going to get as as much as it saddens me. I don't think we're ever going to get a James Bond game that brings the same enjoyment that those older ones did. Really? Because I. I feel like it would be super fun to just get a game, like, because, like, going with the online competitive, it's like, I feel like everything's online competitive. It's just like, I really wish there was a game that I could have where, just like Nightfire, where it's like, I can play with up to four, five, six friends, and we're just running around having a blast, picking up weapons and just shooting each other. Like, Call of Duty did that with Modern Warfare. Do you remember in old school mode? Mm-hmm. You'd play it on um, what is it? Shipment was the map. It was yeah. this tiny map, and you ran around. And you just picked up the guns and you shot each other, and it was a blast. Yeah, and I just like I wish we had something like that. Where it's just like instead of like Call of Duty, Battlefield, Battlefront, whatever it is, it's like it's always competitive, like team versus team. It's like we don't really have like I'm taking you out, and like ever since online plays become a thing, I don't know. Would you agree or disagree? Yeah, I think no. I I think that something like that could be fun. I just don't know if it's something that a big publisher is going to want to put money into, because video games, especially at that level, are all about making money and all about as much profit as possible. And so, anything that's not marketed as a comp a competitor to either a Call of Duty or a Battlefield or a Fortnite or a PUBG, um, we probably aren't going to see come back onto the market and be successful. It's kind of sad because it's like as you and I are getting older, we're seeing specific types of games we love just become less and less relevant and just slowly disappear. But I think what will happen as indie developers get better and as they continue to have um, the resources and and technology available to them, that 
um, allow them to make uh, uh, 3D games. Because I know a lot of indie games are 2D. Uh, there's been some really good 3D games. I think we will see uh, some indie developer one of these days create like a like a golden eye or night fire type of game, and you'll get something like that somewhere someday. If it's not, if it doesn't, as long as it's just not like that remake of Golden Eye. Did Never you play played that? It. Never it played was, it. No. Oh, it was so disappointing. It was on the Wii only, I think. And no, I, they had it on the on the PS3. Oh, it did. End and up hitting the and PlayStation Xbox. 3. Ah, I and think, it was the. It wasn't. It was not. I think the graphics from Nightfire were better than the graphics on that new Golden Eye. Oh wow! It was. It was. It was so disappointing. Wow. Wow, so we are over an hour, and I think we should probably cut it off, but I do want to say that this episode was definitely just kind of uh, meant to be fun and meant for us to have an opportunity to talk about uh, a franchise, which I think is is fun and enjoyable. I would have liked to have gotten into a couple things, like Bourne versus Bond, and... Do you want to talk about Bourne versus Bond? Uh no, I think we'll save that for like another podcast where it'll okay. fit in. It'll fit maybe maybe when Bond twenty five finally comes out okay. next year, we will revisit that and and talk through that. But we're gonna wrap it up here. We're at one oh six and just wanna thank you all for listening to the after Sunday discussion. This has been episode double oh seven. Uh, remember to uh, let everybody know that you know about the E43 Collective and check out our other stuff at E43Collective.com. Josh, any final thoughts as we say goodbye to everybody here? If you've never seen a James Bond movie, pick up Casino Royale with Daniel Craig. Yeah, I think that is a great starting point if you've never seen a James Bond movie. I actually think that that movie will probably get you into the franchise better than any movie out right now. Um, especially if you're a, a younger a younger guy or girl and you've never seen a James Bond, start with Casino Royale uh, with Daniel Craig. You can't go wrong. Fantastic film. My personal favorite. And with that, I want to say thank you all. Have a great day. And we will see you next time on the After Sunday Discussion. Bye-bye.